Welcome to the Low Carbon Business Podcast, the home of future thinking enterprise. For the innovators, the dreamers, the grafters, the progressive entrepreneurs, business is changing. It's taking more responsibility for its impact on the environment. With smaller firms being a creative wellspring for this shift, more and more SMEs are showing that being green is good for business, as well as doing good for the planet. We discuss global challenges from a local perspective, explore green technologies, new business models and sustainable supply chains. Tune in for useful tips, insight and information about how to improve your bottom line whilst making a positive impact on the planet. Let's jump in. Global production sectors are responsible for a fifth of carbon emissions and consume a whopping 54% of the world's energy sources. Many businesses within the manufacturing and engineering sectors are exploring ways to reduce their carbon footprint. Lindhurst Engineering and their problem-solving approach to business is paving the way for a more energy-efficient industry. The triple bottom line, people, profit and planet makes Lindhurst an inspiration for businesses considering a more sustainable approach. We spoke to the company's CEO, Martin Wrigley, who has always championed business as a force for good, long before it was considered the thing to do. So welcome, Martin. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Um, what I'd like to do just to, just to start with is, could you introduce yourself, introduce Lindhurst, um, and say a little bit about how you've been involved with the Decarbonise programme. So I'm Martin Wrigley, I'm the Managing Director at Lindhurst Engineering. Um, we're a small family-owned um, SME um, manufacturing engineering business based in Sutton Ashfield in uh, North Nottinghamshire. Um, I suppose we are a traditional uh, type of engineering business you'd expect to see. Um, a lot of our processes have not changed dramatically you know, since the last 40 years. Um, the business was started back in 1985 by my father and a couple of other guys, um, initially to provide engineering services to the UK coal mining sector. Obviously, for people that are old enough to remember, um, within a couple of years, that market started to contract rather rapidly as we closed coal mines. Um, I joined in 1994, having left British Coal to come and join, join the business. Um, and I always say to people, you know, after British Coal, we'll look for the next dirty black hole to jump into. And that dirty black hole was mainly around um, sewage uh, processing, but also construction and working for some um, OEMs, but tend leading towards the heavier, dirty end of industry. Brilliant. And... Tell us about how you got engaged with Decarbonise, actually the earlier programme, Low Carbon Project. Yeah, so I, I, I can't recall actually how I, how I found about it in the first place. It might, I think it might have been through when we made a commitment to go down the Investors in the Environment Award, but I might be wrong about that. Um, I think as a business, we, we, you know, we, we, we are mindful of, what, of our our commitments to society and we always want to try and do do our best whether that's you know, supporting environment supporting the local community I think we're, for an organisation of our size we're certainly punching above a weight in, in that area um, but also we've got dictates from, from customers as well that start to ask questions about what we're doing about managing our environmental credentials so I see, really see the, the start of that decarbonise our involvement decarbonise was to um, help us 
win business and answer the questions to our clients and also fulfil what we believe was our commitments to society. And it's great hearing you recount that, that journey. So back in the midst of, of time. Um, actually, I think at the university, we were working with investors in the environment and they recommended you to us because you had already been working with them, which signals something we'll, we'll come, come on to and say a little bit more about. But actually, for some time, you were a, an ethically driven, environmentally conscious business. The fact that you were already engaged with investors in the environment shows that. Um, well, I'll come on and ask you a little bit more about the reasons for that. As you got involved with our program, you were talking about how do we grow our business. So my, my question really is around the difference between were you primarily thinking about uh, the kind of work that we could do with you because it was um, about energy saving or reducing your carbon footprint was it about growing the business one or the other or both or I'm going to give you a copper answer because it was both actually. You know, every business has got their eye on the bottom line, and anything you can do to improve that bottom line um, certainly helps. But we also want to make sure that we're doing, as you said, we're doing business ethically. Um, and I think there was a few there was a few events that that once we started to get involved with the investment in the environment, that's, that made us start to look critically at the business, um, and that's sort of, that's I think that's really sparked my interest. Yeah, and as you began that kind of critical reflection on the business what came what was next what came after that um so we our original commitment to, to invest in the environment i think the first year we, we went for it we, we were awarded the silver standard and the following year we got to green which is the the highest the highest the, the higher award of the the three that you can get through investors in the environment but that certainly threw up a number of things um, I think one of the first things that we did that really made a big impact on us, on our, us as a business our strategy had always been and we've got a huge fleet of vehicles I think at that time we'd probably got about five vehicles is we'd always had the policy that we kept those vehicles till they basically fell apart <coughs> um, let alone it was told, it, it costed the fortune to keep them on the road they're also because they were older vehicles were highly inefficient they were getting less and less efficient as they got older um, and I think one of the first things we made a commitment to do was, was over a period of probably about 18 months was to change all, all those five vehicles and went down the, down the process of leasing vehicles rather than buying them. Um, and I think the first year we, we cut our fuel bill by half as well as, as, well as saving an adorbent amount of money we were spending to keep them on the road. So... A, they look better from a customer point of view. So when we turn up on site, we turn up in a new shiny vehicle, deliver it up. We were spending less money on fuel and, and they were less polluting because they were more efficient. So it's an interesting conversation that we've replayed um, on a number of occasions is that notion of uh, whether moving towards uh, low energy vehicles is a cost effective way it has a return of investment so for you it sounds like that was a, 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 a easy business decision it was but it, I think we were surprised just how quickly an impact it had I mean, we weren't talking about electric vehicles or even hybrid vehicles just talking about more efficient yeah. diesel and petrol driven vehicles what do, you, what do you think stops more businesses from thinking about their energy resource efficiency uh, environmental impact um, and uh, stops them doing more. 
nothing for, for SMEs, you know, I think most people would be aware that the majority of businesses in the United Kingdom are SMEs. I think it's about 98% are SMEs. It's, running an SME is an extremely lonely place to be because a lot of times you, you know, you've, you've, got, you've only got yourself to, to, to reflect and, and, and ask questions and challenge. Um, so I think for a lot of businesses, the, 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 A, they're stuck in the muck and bullets of day-to-day running of a business to even start to think about doing something differently. I think, sadly, a lot of businesses think that their low-carbon agenda is for larger businesses and not for them and it's something that's going to affect them in the next 10 to 20 years time um, when in fact it's a matter of everybody doing their part um, from a sins I chair the manufacturing advisory panel for the for D22 LEP and we've just started this um, Future Is Now campaign to get more, more business start to think about the two, two big challenges to face at the moment which one which is around adoption of digital technology which I think is part of the solution for, for, for low carbon stuff as well, but also how do we meet, how do we, how do we meet low carbon, low carbon targets? I think in the UK we've you know we've 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 tried we've we've, we've tried to encourage people to be green by um, offering incentives. So we've tried the carrot approach, but I'm certain within time as things get tighter and tighter, we're going to move to the stick. And I think for me as a business, I want to be I want to be at the forefront so that when they do, we can make sure that that burden on our business is as, is as little as possible. Yeah. And some would argue, I've heard people argue, uh, that being environmentally conscious is a distraction from that bottom line. But you're arguing almost the opposite. Yeah, it's because it, 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 because. I, I, my honest belief is, and I think anybody who denies it is is is, is in are in denial that this agenda is only going to get bigger and bigger, um, and it, it will it, suddenly they'll get to a position where they don't realise just what impact it starts to have on the business. So, you, you, you know, to me, the answer is we start doing something about it now, rather than waiting for events to change and all of a sudden it becomes a huge shock and a huge a huge financial burden on the business that many probably won't be able to survive. Yeah. Now. Um We've worked on various kind of projects with you over, over the years. And I know you've been uh, involved with some of the other universities locally as, as well. Um, one of the things that we worked on was the Smart Factory uh, project. And it comes back to um, the point about uh, one of the first steps being you can only uh, manage what you measure. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that first phases of the smart factory um, project and I guess the stimulus to kind of look more seriously about the, uh, the, the, the emissions, the energy and other aspects of your business that kind of flipped your way of thinking about certain things. So I, I am a big believer in that old adage that if you can measure something you can manage it. Um, uh, without getting too technical, um, probably the catalyst for me to start the whole um, smart factories project was... Um, I, I looked at some data on how we were managing using our electricity, um, which which we was available, we got made available to us through the, um, our local regional electricity company through the REC, um, and I was quite shocked to see that we're actually we're actually using our energy quite inefficiently. And unless you're really techie, you'll not understand but that, that concept, which was a shock to me because we've we've actually got some technology that's supposed to offset this and make it more efficient. So I went to look at this piece of technology to find out that it was broken. And it, who knows how long that had been broken for. So I, I suspect we were probably paying somewhere between 20 and 
or we were, what, 20 to 25% of electricity we were paying for, we were using very, very inefficiently. So that got me thinking whether we could have, it would be nice if we had a system that could automat- alert us automatically if this piece of technology went to a wall again and it was it was not a huge sum of money to get it repaired um and i suppose people might say well if you had a proper maintenance system you'd have picked that up but i'll come back to what i say about sometimes it's difficult in the muck of the bullets to to get you know to be able to get around to doing that looking at that sort of thing it's a static piece of equipment don't move you know it should technically work forever um which then started this whole concept of thinking about what, what else could we manage, could we measure within the business. So obviously we're really interested now we use our resources in terms of uh, electricity, water and gas. And we don't use a lot, of, we don't use any processed gas or any processed water. That's just for domestic heating and unwashing and things like that. Um, but I was also really, really interested in about how we manage our environment within the factory in terms of um, the environment for the guys to work in plus out any pollutants we're potentially kicking out there which for us because we mainly work in mild steel would be particulates in the atmosphere mild steel particulates and it just really coincided as well which was really which became the start of well probably mid mid 2019 HSE started writing to fabrication businesses telling them we're going to make spot checks to find out what they were doing about measuring fumes in the atmosphere or managing fumes in the atmosphere um, and they wrote to us um, we never had a visit but I know a lot of people who did have visits and they put all sorts of stipulations rightly so about how they should how they should manage those particulars I think if they had visited us we'd, we'd, got, we'd already got we'd already on the hoof and we'd already done things about it um, so bolted onto the smart factory stuff we're not just looking at resource but looking at our environmental impact for the working environment for the guys plus what we were doing what we're, how we impacted our environment locally um, and so we we work with yourselves and a, a, a company used to be based in Ashbourne they're in Derby now called, called Dev Tank who developed the, an open source approach to ma- measuring certain parameters within our environment um, and we launched this technology um, it told us some really interesting things really really quickly um, so without going into too much detail because it is quite embarrassing we actually spotted um, an issue that was around working patterns um, where we're working at a certain time of day we're working really inefficiently um, and we estimated if we could have cu- if we cut that inefficient part of the day if we cut that waste by 50% then it would potentially put another £29,000 on that bottom line and that so it, you know the technology paid for itself in within a week. Um, we also spotted really interesting things about bits of kit that were switching on at night time because they're on timers that we could or that we went on timers so we could do things about it. Um, we also spotted interesting things about how we heat water for hand washing, how we use water. Um, so bit by bit, and we still we are still doing little bits. We're still seeing things now that we are starting to address. Um, you talked about we work with other universities, so we work with a PhD student from Nottingham University who looked at um, how we heat the factory. So it's a, our building's built in the 1950s, big old rambling pile. It's really difficult to heat it. Um, you know, we're a manufacturing facility. We've got a big roll of shutter doors at each end of the factory. So this guy came in and actually did some modelling, and we worked out that we actually we actually produce enough process heat to heat the factory in wintertime without us having to loads and loads of propane heaters burning all over the place. Um, so we actually added another sensor onto the small factory stuff to work out how fast the heat was dissipating out of the factory and if it starts to dissipate too quickly 
he would then alert the works manager. And all it's did simple, go and close the door. <laughs> it's not complicated. Um, but it, it, you know, it, so it told us it told us some really interesting things really, really quickly. Um, and told uh, in, in particular things about um, you know it's about working practices and about how, how, how some of our processes work. So I'm confident now, if we did get a visit from HC, we wanted to come and look up particularly the atmosphere. Not only could we show them that we, we think we're already on the hoof and we've done something about it, but we've gone that stage further. That not- yeah, it was a really interesting story, um, and I think there's that balance between the obvious bottom line benefits the cost savings and the benefits to the workforce as well so not not least in terms of you know being warm enough to do the, to do the job but yeah. in terms of the particulates so the dual benefits that have sprung from uh, I might you know describe it as that kind of mindset around measuring but you know every business can look, looks at the, the financial measurements yeah. but not many SME businesses really treat environmental uh, out, um, outputs um, or even energy use yeah. in, this, in the same way as they do their, their accounts. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? And what's going to convince them to, to do more on the environmental um, management side of things? I think a lot of, bi- you know, a lot of businesses think that the be all on end of business metrics are 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 in your financial are in your financials. Um, I'm a big lover of the balanced scorecard method of man, managing a business. And if you if you if you're a disciple of the balanced scorecard method, that tells you that financials is a bit like driving, looking at your rearview mirror all the time because you're looking at things that's gone that's happened historically. And yeah, you can start to spot trends and you, if things are going awry and do something about it. But I'm a big believer about trying to look forward and let's you know let's see what's happening. So, but, but with smart factors, it doesn't tell us about something that's happened. A week ago, or it's told, it, we can get it. You can find out what's happened in the last five minutes, and you can respond to things really, really quickly and make adjustments. So, but why? Why don't businesses, um, more businesses, get switched onto it? I, I do honestly think it's because you know we, we've we've been educated to think that it's all in the it's all in the numbers, and at the end of the day, you know that's if it's, that's if for any business. Running out of cash is the thing that's going to kill you the fastest. So rightly so, the 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 focus you know the focus on 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 cash flow, um, on turnover and profitability are, are the things that everybody looks at. But it's almost that to me now that this this is a secondary thing that runs parallel to it and has equal weighting. Um, especially if we end up, as I believe we will do, with given time, that will that will will start to be will be. Will be Taxation measures come f- further down the line for businesses to, be, to, be, to, to make sure they're meeting the green credentials. And you're getting ahead of that curve. So not only uh, in the fabric of the building and your operations, but in terms of um, new markets and new products. Yeah. So that's the other side of this kind of transformation to a, a net zero economy is how many more small businesses are beginning to think, what kind of products can we create that, or, or indeed services that we can create that that we can sell on to customers, and I know that you've been uh, doing quite a lot in that area. Yeah. As well. So, so everybody's 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 looking for new business, you know. And certainly, green tech's a massive emerging sector. Um, it's still a very very evolving sector. Um, 
and I, I can't remember the exact stats I saw, but you know, it's, it's the, 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 the potential for business to tap into and, and service that sector or deliver into that sector is huge. So, um, our own particular areas have, have been around um, working with Nottingham University on a fast rate form of, of anaerobic digestion. Um, which we put a lot of time and effort into it, a lot of money into. We haven't got to market yet. Everybody says, why, why have we not got to market? But I still I honestly believe that's, that's because of how the whole market's uh, incentivised at the moment. And we, we aim to produce a piece of technology that can treat waste at the source of production rather than having to tanker it into, to get the volume to make it work like traditional aerobic digestion does. And unfortunately, the way the terrace work, the scale we're working at, we're not recognised, so it's difficult to get early adopters because they're not getting that top up of the of that incentive incentivisation for, for early adopters. Um, and we've almost parked that technology at the moment. Um, we've got a couple of applications we're looking at, but I, want, I firmly believe in the next five years that's going to come back with a vengeance. And that's um, we've been talking about um, the, the work that we do in our decarbonise programme and that, that there's a, a direct link between you know, energy efficiency, product development and business growth yeah. innovation support um, and I guess your story for me epitomises that all, all three of those are live for you yeah. in that you've done the energy efficiency stuff and, and other aspects of your operations you've, you've developed new products and actually the kind of the, the final piece of the jigsaw for you really is the kind of the business model and how, how you eventually take those products to market will be part of your future I guess yes. you're hoping yeah, yeah. That I mean, it takes me on to um, uh, one of the final questions. Really, is around the support for these different elements, yeah. um, and in particular, you know, it, it seems like your need is about is more focused now, given what you've already achieved, on the kind of the growth aspect. So, how, how do we take this, you know, these particular products you're talking about, to a market, and it becomes a profitable part? Why is it that the environment around you, the universities or other organisations, what what can we do to help a business like you in that next phase of commercialisation, for example? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. So, um, for people that are involved in research and development, there's, there's, a, there's a terminology um, which I think was or was originally developed by NASA, which is about technology readiness levels, TRL levels, about which, which run from zero to nine about how, how close your market your technology is you, if you've got this technology how, how, how ready that is to, to be to be to be commercialized but um i think what i want what i'm really what i'm really interested in is what should run parallel to that is what i call irls which is investment readiness levels um at the end at the heart of it we're engineers you know we're, 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 we're i employ engineers and employ scientists um, and we think we're quite good at doing that um it's almost get to a point where to get that investment investment readiness level, it's also another piece of work that needs to run parallel to that, which the universities can, can facilitate and support businesses with greatly because that's what you do. You know, it's not what we do. Um, so I think that for any new technologies being developed, for university support businesses with the tech as well, but which they've always done. Um, is to also think about how you know what, how can we develop business models, and that was like, what does business need to look like? Our, our route to market, our, our route, the, the way we've decided to go to market with this technology, is is a four stage model. So um, 
the first thing we do we, we promise the client to do is to is, is for, not for us we, we were going to partner with somebody else would come in and do an audit so are we using your resources managing your environmental impact now because I honestly believe out of that will come all come some simple quick fixes that they've not even thought about um, which I know is part of what you've done you know, with the stuff that we did with Bruno looking at our carbon footprint really under our eyes about how, what impact we are having so we do that so that we do that audit that audit gives us a set of base data then to, then to start to put into our model to think does this is there an application that we could use our H2AD pardon me H2AD technology on um, the next thing we would then do is convince the client to do do a trial um, which I think is our biggest Achilles heel at the moment because anaerobic digestion is a is a biological process and, and bacteria are a little bit like us some days they want to eat a lot and some days they don't want to eat very much at all and and I think we got to about 12 different parameters that can affect its performance and, and we can try and model it and we, we actually Nottingham University actually started to get a PhD student but he actually finished that piece of it before he finished his PhD to try and use artificial intelligence to try and model that and that's probably something for future that we'd like to have a look at um, but the only way to, to, to do it is to try it and you can't just put it in and say let's try it for a week you know you need at least three months you need to see some seasonality on it to understand how it's mm-hmm. working and then from that we believe we could build a business case then to see what that return investment would look like for the and obviously then it would then it would be a sale or a lease or an escrow model it's been we've tried all sorts of different things um and obviously an ongoing maintenance procedure with it is that the right way forward we think it is but there may be other ways of looking at it and that's probably where universities could help us look at that we're not is there anything obvious or maybe not even so that obvious uh, the universities or regional bodies for a business like you that could that could support you at that kind of level of need. I'm, I'm, I'm placing you as a, a company that's very forward-looking. You're you're along you're along this journey. What what else that's not there already? Because you're well in touch with these organisations. What's the next step for you? We are well along that journey, and I think I th- when I reflect back on when we started that journey, and it's a long, long time ago. You know, I expected when, when I was when we started to work with the, with the university, we were going to experience these people in white lab coats with big tall, tall foreheads, <laughs> um, it, it, who didn't who speak a totally different language to us. And then we realised actually they're not. You know, we're all in this together. And I still think there are some businesses that are, are probably fearful of working with university, a because they think it's just going to. It's just going to soak up all their time they're not going to get anywhere and now can they possibly help me um, I think there's a lot of that in it um, but I think we've got you know I think we start between business business and university we start to break some of those, those walls down now um, but I do think we can I think we, we still I think we've still got some work to do in, in, in how we um, how we how we portray that relationship that we've got together Um I think we, we probably need, you know, interestingly, we, we're on periphery working with a company who, who, who've got some relationship with the university in the States who are developing a piece of technology, which is another environmental piece of technology. And they, um, in the States, seem to have a different... So the university has said, look, you've, we, we, it's your technology. We've, we've used it in this way. Um, all we want is, if, you set, if, it, if it's successful, give us a bit of a kickback, where our experience at UK has been very, very formal... You know, so I think we've got we've still got we've got work to do as businesses and universities to try and break some of them barriers down because I do think sometimes it, it, it's a blocker. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there are too many hoops to, to jump yes, through. To, yeah, to yeah. Make but it. That's, I think that's a bit of a British disease. We love a bit of red tape, don't we? Absolutely. If you had a, um, a piece of advice for a business that's at the beginning of that journey, so they've just kind of made the commitment to themselves and perhaps publicly that they're going to really begin to think more carefully about the environment and their uh, impact on the environment, um, and they want to remain profitable yeah. and perhaps grow, uh, what what would you say to that business about getting along that pathway and yeah. do, doing it doing it effectively? I think the first thing is to, for them to realise that this whole agenda is not a big business thing. This is a, this is this is a you know this affects everybody irrespective of what size of organisation you are, whether you're one man band or you're employing twenty thousand people. Um, but I still come back to this. I still come back to my, my old adage about if you can measure something, you can manage it. And, then, and as a business, we've got we're a million and one apps. We've got a million SMEs. We've got a million and one things to do. So if we can automate some of that process yeah. and take that take that burden away from them, and all they want to know about is anything that's out off spec or you know, in, in alerts them in a simple way that they can they can respond to. If 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 there's if there's if, event happens they don't know don't know how to respond to it and that's when universities can come in and support them to, to respond to individual um, things that may arise and just to just to cap off on the, the i guess the technical side of this the smart factory technology uh the lorawan technology that, yeah. that, you, that you've used um can you say something about its affordability for an sme starting on this um, this pathway and, and you know, does it make it a, a, a viable proposition for your five man person in a warehouse in Belper somewhere or wherever it might be there are, you know, there are, there are other alternatives at market and there's some quite well established alternatives at market the thing I like about the smart factories approach that we've been involved with is it's very much open, open source so there's not a, there's, there's not a huge licensing cost um, the way it works is, you know, irrespective of whatever you want to manage, if there's a parameter, if there's a if there's a sensor available, a piece of kit to measure it, they can integrate it into it. So it's it's totally sensor agnostic, um, and yeah. So so again, it depends what you want to measure and how many parameters. But you can start at really low entry level and build upon it. But I think the proof of the pudding to me is within a week we identify something that percentage saved is close on thirty thousand pounds. And if that's not if that's not <laughs> an easy sell, nothing ever will be. For we're kind of estimating a, a, a starting point would be about five to ten thousand yes, yes, for, yeah. for that kind of that kind of yeah, technology. Yeah. Brilliant, Martin. Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, as ever, it's always brilliant to talk with you. Uh, it's a, such an interesting story, um, and uh, no doubt that story will con- continue. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Low Carbon Business Podcast is brought to you by the University of Derby. Thank you to all our partners. The show is produced by Seed. Audio by Guru Music. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening to this on. To get in touch, contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to hear about your business, project or idea. Save money, protect the environment and re-energise your business. This is the Low Carbon Business Podcast.